0: If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor
1: hit, but he bounces into the end zone.
2: How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around?
0: Play action. Now he's in trouble and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back
1: to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, great competitor.
0: Now he checks it down left side looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown!
1: This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In
0: the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Nine more days. Nine more days. Does this feel like the
2: longest? Does this feel like just the longest off-season build-up, ramp-up into the draft ever? It just feels like it's been so extensive. Yeah.
3: Nine days away, but it feels like it's like... A billion days away. Like, it might as well be in 2025. (laughs) I'm just like, please. I'm like limping to the finish line of this process. And granted, who am I to complain? I haven't had to do any evaluation of these guys. (laughs) I literally have just been sitting on my computer doing like mock draft roundups and being on TweetDeck being like, ooh, here's this new one. I haven't been doing anything. Really. It's
0: It's like Ferris Bueller. Nine more days. The hypotheticals will soon stop. The mock drafts, uh, four point seven version, <laughs> uh, from thirty thousand different angles will will cease, and then we'll have some answers, and then the narrative will change. And it's coming. The sun is starting to rise over the horizon, and soon we will have answers to what's going on in the first round of the NFL draft. Lara, with with that in mind, what is the pre-draft topic? I know it's quarterback, but just kind of like nuanced. Well, what's the pre-draft topic that you're most sick of? You're going to be excited is in the rearview mirror.
2: I think all of the conjecture on moving up, moving back, yeah. all of that, the all of the demand there is, you know, at number 3, um, you know, everyone who's tried to pursue that spot. I think that's the one because it feels like so much posturing by people whether it's, you know, Teams or or GMs or agents or whatever. I think that's the one. Is will people stay? Will they move? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how much? Uh, you know the how much power does Arizona hold with the pick that they have? I think that's kind of the one. Just league wide that I'm ready to have to. <laughs> I got to. bad news for you. <laughs>
0: We're going to do a little bit of that today, but soon, right? Soon enough. And I and I'm with you. And and JJ, I'm I'm sick of some of that conjecture as well. But, I mean, this is this is where we've been in since November. And I don't yeah. think it's hyperbole to say that this is one of the most important off-seasons for the Colts in the last, certainly the last decade. And we'll see how it goes in terms of setting themselves up for success foundationally for the next five, six years, depending on how this goes.
3: I mean, Thursday night, next Thursday night, is going to be one of the biggest nights in recent franchise history. Because you think about the last two times the Colts have been in a mm-hmm. position to take a quarterback in the first round. Yeah, it was, you know, do you take Peyton Manning or Ryan Leaf? Do you take Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin the Third? And there were some debates about that, but ultimately, and maybe it is some revisionist history, but ultimately it's like there wasn't much of a debate on those guys. There was a clear-cut number one in both of those drafts. Yep. And this year, the Colts are picking fourth, so... As we go through these scenarios, Mayte, later in this podcast, it's like, do the Colts get the second quarterback in the draft? Do they get the fourth quarterback in the draft? Do they not take a quarterback? The thing I'm ready for, to be done with, though, is, and I'll just kind of plant my flag in this one, is this thought that four quarterbacks are going to go in the first four picks. Yes. I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. It's never, been, I, it's never happened before. It's never happened before, and I this year... If it was going to happen in any year, you'd think it would have been in 2021 mm-hmm. when three quarterbacks went in the first four picks. And then Justin Fields went, I think it was, what, a 10th or 11th? So, if if in that year there weren't four quarterbacks taken, why in this year would there be? That it, it would be unprecedented. And I've been saying it for a while that I don't think this year is the year where that is going to happen. And I'm going to stick to that.
0: Yeah, I don't think that the four best players in this draft are quarterbacks. I don't think there's four quarterbacks that have the grade league-wide. Heck,
2: I don't think there's a consensus evaluation. on what the top quarterback is even, really.
0: Well, you're, you're starting to read more and more that it's it's going to be Bryce Young. And, and we still don't know. That's just what people think. That's what people say. That's what people are inferring based on reports and inside sources and things like that. But um, there is still a ton to sort out and to think about even though we're still just 9 days away or only 9 days away I should say from the draft side. No no no
2: it's still it's,
0: it's still yeah. it's still it's not only it's still <laughs> mentally I th- I I think the draft is 2 days from now like it should be 2 days I from now I wish it were Yeah I mean this paralysis <laughs> by this analysis going. right that we've that we're stuck with for the next week to continue to talk about this stuff but we're loaded as always on the podcast talking heavy draft we'll talk about the Colts setting their board trying to predict how the first four picks will go next Thursday night. We're also going to play a round of what if I told you react to some statements regarding the Colts draft and some defensive expectations for the Colts coming up next season. And then finally today in the podcast, Chuck Pagano is back on uh, this podcast. Welcome back, the former head coach of the Colts. He's going to be back in town this Friday, this week for the 11th annual Chuck Strong Gala Gala. Do you guys say Gala or Gala?
2: I'm a Gala person.
0: I'm a Gala person too. I'm a
2: Gala person.
0: All right, we, we're kind of split here. We yeah. got this hanging Chad that is JJ over here.
3: Wow. No, he's Gala.
2: outnumbered. Gala. I, I always G- said Gala. Correct. Gala. No. Yeah. Chuck Strong. I'm the wrong is guy back. to
3: talk to you about pronunciations because <laughs> yesterday I yesterday I I said I was like, hey, can you pull that off? But I was. In regards to, like, hey, we need to get in the pool, in the mm-hmm. pool. And I, I said the pull instead the pole. of the pool. Yeah. And I don't know. I, <laughs> I have a weird Midwestern thing with, like, roof, roof and rough. So, yeah, Your I'm Chicago the wrong guy. Chicago is showing. Yeah, I, I'm the wrong guy to ask about this.
0: Would you say you have a strong Chicago accent? Yes.
3: It comes out I of the I would say sometimes. it's, like, in the
0: middle it it's in the middle it
3: depends on how animated i get (laughs) yeah that's like
2: my southern accent comes out a little thicker
0: southern accent you're from louisville for crying out loud that's not the south is it uh
2: it's kentucky i would consider that the south plus Uh, you know my the overton's are all from tennessee so there's a heavy influence from you know rocky top also if you you get it from mom and pops
3: if you're south of i-70 i think you can be you can start to consider yourself from the south
2: Oh man, this is a conversation for another time. Oh, I feel that, like that sounds like a, no, sound like a random thought of the no, week. It does sound like a random thought of Oh,
0: I am not southern. I am not. I'm, I'm south of seventy. Anyways, we'll talk about Chuck coming up. Uh, the significance of Chuck Strong in year number eleven. So. All right, less than a week away, or I should say a little bit over a week away. I wish we were days away, but we're not just yet. So the Colts, like 31 other teams, J.J., they're putting the finishing touches on their draft board. They're setting their pecking order, going through all the different hypotheticals that could uh, happen in front of them. But for the Colts, J.J., quarterbacks, they have to have the board set at this time, don't they, with quarterbacks? I mean, don't you think they're there right now?
3: I mean, as long as – And I don't know what the schedule is, but I do know that eventually coaches will be brought in. I don't know if that's happened yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And Chris Ballard has said, you know, the cement isn't dry until draft day. So there's still a lot more evaluation. And more, more accurately, there's a lot more information that needs to be sifted through. I think tomorrow is the last day for top 30 visits where you can bring guys in. So once you get past that, the last day for top 30, I think that's when you really start to solidify your draft board about a week ahead of the NFL draft. Yeah,
2: there have been these ongoing. We've seen all the reports of those top 30 visits, which have continued. We know, of course, the coaches get heavily involved in this period of time and meeting with those guys, spending time with them. So I think what you'll see is likely over the weekend, the latter part of this week and into early next week. The board will be set, and you'll start to get some of the coaches' influence in some of these critical positions, especially you know first, second, third round type of guys. That's really where you really want the influence of Shane Steichen, Jim Bob Cooter, Gus Bradley, right. all of those guys in terms of where you're selecting mm. and who
0: you're picking. Yeah, you don't have a stapler over there, right? You can't throw anything at me because I want to talk about contingency plans, Lara. How many? A how many? <laughs> Because I know you don't want to talk about this, but this is where we're at. This is what we're left with. Nine days away. How many? I have a very plans? heavy water bottle that I can
2: <laughs> chuck. it Anything
0: you? that can be used as a weapon. <laughs> um, I mean, what is the number of plans the Colts have to have in place to cover all of their bases for the different scenarios that could play out in front of them? Even picking at four.
2: It's it's numerous because we know the way that they grade a player based on the player and his specific skill set and his value they don't grade it by position or need so they will value and prioritize certain players differently than those teams that are ahead of them and in knowing that you set yourself up as we know our board isn't stacked the exact same way you know that Houston's or Carolina's or Arizona's are. So that allows you to know we don't have to do so much guessing as to what they're doing because we're confident in knowing how much we value these first five guys, you know, or the first they're going to go probably the entirety of, you know, the first round of stacking exactly how they prioritize guests. So you are ready for any type of scenario and you know that no matter what happens ahead of you, the guy that you have highest graded remaining on your board is the guy you're going to. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You'd, you only have draft to have. Draft comes to you. you. Right. You only have to have four guys. You don't reach. Who you're willing to take. Right. With that pick. But I kind of gamed this out just for fun. And I got to. Eight and
2: you know what you would do if you'd move back. Right. To that so same. So I, I got to.
3: I got to eight contingency plans based on what happens ahead of the course. <laughs> <laughs> because wow. I was like, well, let's just have some fun here. So car- the only guarantee in this NFL draft is that Carolina. nation. Love it. The only guarantee in this draft is that Carolina will take a quarterback. Yes right now and we
0: all think that's Bryce Young right now we all most, think that's Bryce people, Young most people
3: right now yeah. that still could change but right now Bryce Young is heavily favored to be the first overall pick so in in I think 6 of these scenarios I gamed out I had Bryce Young going number 1 overall then Houston the to me the draft starts at Houston with mm-hmm. what they do and if you believe a lot of the chatter out there which I don't I see I kind of do do you Houston may not take a quarterback at number two.
2: I'm with you here.
3: Houston, think think about it this way. You're
0: with you have, you're with JJ. I'm with JJ there's, JJ. there's no way Houston does not take a quarterback. But uh,
3: they could take a quarterback at 12. Continue. Or they could use that 12 pick to move up. I'm and with two, you. Yeah. If Houston goes off their draft board and they're like, okay, we have say Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech sticking out. This guy is top. Like t- him and Bryce are at the top of our draft board. And then there's a gap. Mm -hmm. Why would you not take Tyree Wilson if you think, oh, my God, we're taking – like, if if you're D'Amico Ryan's in there and you're like, that guy is the next Nick Bosa, go get me Nick Bosa, take him. And then you have your second first-round pick plus Cleveland's first next year. Right and several other picks from the Browns. Right. You could still maneuver in this year's draft or you could say
0: trade up in the in the top 10. Or you
3: could say we'll let a quarterback come to us at 12 potentially, mm-hmm. or we'll get to we'll get deeper into the draft and Philly at 10. Maybe they trade back a couple spots, we can go up and get a guy there. Houston has options. They are not to me, they are not locked into taking a quarterback at 2. Their roster is also not in a position where you can say, like, say, the Lions or the Seahawks, where it's like you're probably not going to be picking in the top five, six again anytime soon. The ros- Houston's roster is a lot better today than it has been in years past, and their coaching staff is in a lot better place. But to me, they are not a definite need-to-get-a-quarterback team. You just have a, you have a first-year defensive-minded head mm-hmm. coach and other holes that you need to fill on that roster – to me, them at two, it is not a slam dunk unless they think one of these other quarterbacks who is maybe not Bryce Young mm-hmm. is on the same level as a Tyree Wilson, a Will Anderson, you know, one of those guys, a Jalen Carter potentially. Then you take that guy. Quarterback becomes the deciding, the, the tiebreaker. But if their draft board is stacked the way that it could be, you might not have a quarterback mm-hmm. in that top two or three players in this year's draft.
0: All right, what does that do for the Colts? Because I, I don't think the Texans I, – I strongly think they're going to take a quarterback. But hypothetically, if they don't, if they say we'll get the best player in the draft, not worry about quarterback, we might get one at 12 or trade back in the top 10 – How does that change things for the Colts? Because I think at that point, the Colts, J.J., have to be thinking, all right, there's one more quarterback that's available to us that we didn't plan on. If the Texans don't take a quarterback, the Colts would have to have that competitive trade package, if you will, ready to go Mm -hmm. with the Cardinals if they wanted to move up because you know the Cardinals, at that point, their phone's going to be ringing off the hook. They're going to be taking offers and fielding offers. That contingency plan needs to be pre-planned. That's another contingency, pre-plan yep. your package offer for a trade. What are you willing to give up to move up to 3 and what quarterback still needs to be on the board at 3 mm-hmm. in order to pull that trigger? That to me is the biggest contingency yep. plan the Colts have to to weigh through.
3: Right. And and you're absolutely right about pre-planning this. No team, no team that is operating properly is going to be caught by surprise if right. Houston doesn't take a quarterback. So Arizona and Arizona's probably having these discussions already. They're probably calling up the Colts, the Raiders, the Falcons, the Titans, any team that might have a need for a young quarterback, they're probably calling them. Monty Austin's for it's probably like, All right, <laughs> yeah. What 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 are, what are we doing here? If if Houston doesn't take a quarterback, what's your offer? Because ten minutes is not a lot of time. And you can't be negotiating like yeah. Oh, man, we got cut yeah. by... So I can't believe that happened. What's, Titans, our, what's our round Titans three make pick? The Titans me nervous. Worse, you know? They right do The Titans actually don't make me nervous really? at all. No. If Tennessee... I know we all... We have a lot of respect for Tennessee in this building because we haven't beat them in quite a while. Tennessee's roster it's not good. Oh, I'm
2: saying in terms of moving up to that position, moving ahead of you and taking someone. That's why I'm saying they make me nervous. I do think that they're in a position to make a bold move. That's why they make me nervous.
3: This is why they don't make me nervous though. If you take a quarterback and you're Tennessee and you're giving up draft capital to go get a quarterback, who are you putting him on an offense with? Derrick Henry, who averaged uh, less than four four yards per carry. Mm -hmm. An offensive line that a lot of people think right now is the worst group in the NFL, a wide receiver group that a lot of people think is among the worst groups in the NFL. That to me, you are setting your quarterback up to fail. If you're Tennessee and you take, if you trade up to get him now, if the draft falls to you, that's another thing because you can still address some of those needs later in the draft, but to move up from 11 to three is probably going to cost you a future first round pick, maybe a second rounder this year, it's going to cost you a lot. Mm -hmm. And, I just don't see a world in which that is a a logical proposition for the Titans. Now maybe they they they're sitting there and they're like, "Man, we have a super high grade on C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson, and all of a sudden he's available. We didn't think he was going to be there. Let's go get him, right. and let's figure out the rest later." Mm-hmm. That I could see that happening, but I just first year GM that that is a tough proposition for me for Tennessee to move up. I they don't worry me as, like, to me, all that chatter about Tennessee potentially moving up to three, that was smoke from the Cardinals. That's smoke from Arizona trying to scare someone into trading up to three before the draft. Less so from the Titans side.
0: So, that report from ESPN last week there's six teams that. The Cardinals are flirting with in terms of a trade. You don't think Tennessee's well, is, part of it. What does
3: flirting with really mean? Does that mean we made one phone call or does that mean <laughs> Probably. We, does that mean we went out on a first date and it was fine? <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, texted, <laughs> we split the texted check. you
3: you texted him after, ah, that was fun yeah. and then you never text him back. Yeah. Uh yeah, you maybe we'll do check. this again <laughs> sometime. <laughs> we will split the check. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, or is this all right we're we're on to a you know second or third date now and this is getting a little more serious? Did you guys watch uh, that
0: dating show that aired like at midnight? And they they no. did blind love date is first blind? love no, no oh, not that oh. one it was oh. like back in the day like late nineties early two thousands oh, for sure and I know they had a little about. bubbles
2: watched it in my dorm room Foster Harper yeah. shout out terrible you know I do remember that terrible show oh yeah what was that
0: it was like a TMZ type show but it for was sure. trash TV at like one in the morning I I would Lara before you punch me in the face do you want to talk about how the first four picks will go.
2: I, I don't know, because I don't think it's set where it's going to be. I think right. that somebody's going to jump up. So I think it's so dependent on who is the team that jumps yes, in.
0: Yes or no, Cardinals trade the pick. Yes. No. I I think they trade the pick.
3: I don't think they do. Okay. I the, the more I'm, and maybe I'm just getting kind of suckered in by this, but the more I read about this and the more I hear about this, I there might not be a team willing to trade up to Arizona and pay the price that Arizona justifiably would want. Right. Probably a future first round pick mm-hmm. to go get one of these guys. Because if there's not, again, we're, we're talking about this, there's probably not a consensus on who the top, what order you're putting these top four or five quarterbacks in. I saw a mock draft that had Henton Hooker going before Will Levis this week. I mean, th- you could have a scenario where a team sitting there, like say the Raiders, they're sitting there and they're like, yeah, do we really want to go trade a future first when we already traded a future first last year for Devontae Adams, or we traded our first last year for Devonte Adams? We're going to go up and now we're going to burn another first with a roster that does need some holes filled mm-hmm. uh, to go get a guy who we think there's a marginal difference between two and four. I don't totally buy that. I I think Arizona's going to have a harder time trading this pick than people think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, could it could happen that way. My gut says is they, they do trade the pick just because you have so many quarterback, desperate, needy teams that try to fix it. Are they all right? Absolutely not. Just plenty more draft busts than there are draft hits, but that's what happens. Quarterbacks get thrusted up the board, and there's always teams willing to take them because of their desperation in terms of where they're at from a franchise standpoint we're gonna find out coming up April Who'd, 27th go re, ahead
3: real quick who do you think is the sneakiest team that could go up to three I think we're talking about the Raiders the Titans
0: maybe the Lions
3: uh I'm gonna throw one out there what about the Buccaneers yeah Baker Mayfield's on a contract where that, are they at where are they they're at, at? 19. and
0: yeah, that would take a bunch it would take a lot take but a bunch
3: they, Baker Mayfield is on a contract that is not prohibitive for you moving up first starting you know a, a young quarterback and he' has one year four million it's not a whole lot there um and they're in a position where they need a they need to have a cheap contract at quarterback to kind of work through some of the post Tom Brady era mm-hmm. um them or I don't think the Vikings would trade up but They're kind of another sneaky team, too, that could be in the market if a quarterback falls to go up a little bit. Yep. It's
0: going to be a lot of hooting and hollering on day one of the draft. Thursday night, you can join in that regard. The Colts are hosting their official draft party. It's presented by Bud Light, and it's at Buffalo Wild Wings locations across central Indiana, Indianapolis, Greenwood, Plainfield, and Westfield. The parties are free. They're open to fans of all ages. Activities will include appearances by several Colts legends. Gary Brackett's going to be involved, Marlon Jackson, Jack Doyle, and others. Colts cheerleaders, giveaways, and other fan and family-friendly opportunities. For all the details and where the players are going to be, head to colts.com slash draft. All right, as promised, let's break out. The what-if machine. What if I told you? All right, what if I told you? Remember that back (laughs) in the day? Remember that, the 30 for 30 guy?
2: What if I told you?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. What if I told you? There was a great one before the great one. Remember that? All right, so let's react to some statements. I'm going to bust out some statements to you guys, and I just want you to tell me how you feel or how you would feel if they came true. Give me your gut reaction, okay? So what if I told you? What if I told you? What if I told you the Colts' JJ move up to the third overall selection? So they are the team that trades with the Cardinals, jump up to three, and they draft Anthony Richardson. What if I told you that? To
3: me, that would tell me that the Colts have a very high grade on Anthony Richardson, that there would be a gap between him and potentially the third quarterback or the fourth quarterback on the board, depending what Houston does. Right. And they couldn't risk not getting him. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. If... if the draft starts playing out on you know next Thursday night and the Colts say we cannot risk missing out on Anthony Richardson because the gap between him and the next guy on our board is so significant that yeah, we're willing to burn whatever it takes to go get him, that wouldn't surprise me as a scenario.
0: You know what's fascinating about Anthony Richardson as it relates to the Colts? Chris Ballard has routinely talked about the quarterback traits that he covets the most, and what is that? It's accuracy. And Richardson last year was Mm sub-60% by a lot.
3: I mean, he was like 53%? Yeah, he was like
0: 53%. He finished 13 out of 14 SEC quarterbacks last year in accuracy. And there's people – I mean, I've talked to people on our uh, Inside the Draft series Previewing the draft, there's people out there that think that if he's if he throws to NFL receivers, mm-hmm. if he has an NFL offense around him, his completion percentage is going to be fine because
2: right. If you give Anthony Richardson the receivers that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud had, right. and the offensive line that each of those guys had, and the run game each of those guys had, like what would his you know, spec be from but that. that.
0: That's a big leap, though, I to know. go from fifty-three to the high sixties, graduating up in competition and completion percentage. And so, again, Chris Ballard has said multiple times, quarterbacks have to have a capability. They have to have that playmaking ability. But eventually, they all come down to delivering in the pocket. The game comes down to accuracy yep. and making plays behind the offensive line. So. It's still about throwing the ball and putting it where it needs to go. Um, that's why it's a mystery. There's there's people that think Richardson's not worthy of a top-five pick, and then there's other people that say his supporting cast at Florida really let him down with the drops, and they didn't have great playmakers. He's just this enigma that we've never seen before. He's projected to go in the top-five, J.J., but his resume screams day-three project.
3: Well, Potentially. Yeah. Or you look at him and you say, This is the most, literally the most athletic quarterback prospect we have ever right. seen. You have to
0: balance that.
3: And so to, to kind of balance out what Chris Ballard said, and I would love to be privy to these conversations, I won't be. But Shane Steichen has said accuracy can be schemed, it can be coached, and it can be improved through scheme and through coaching. To me, what I want to know about these prospects, what flaw, because they're all flawed. Every single quarterback prospect in this year's draft is flawed in some way, shape, or form. What flaws are fixable? Mm -hmm. And what flaws can you – what flaws are unfixable? And then what flaws are maybe not fixable but you can work around? Like Josh Allen is never going to be the most accurate quarterback. He's not always going to throw with touch. But, man, the Bills worked around whatever flaws he had in his game, and it turned out he's a you know top-three MVP yeah. candidate twice he is, in his He career. is
0: definitely the exception, right? He is right. definitely proving that because he was sub-60 at Wyoming, maybe yeah. not 53%, but he was definitely under he was, 60.
3: He, he, first year in the NFL, 52% completion percentage second year 59 yeah then it jumps to 69 percent then it's settled around 63 mm-hmm. percent the last couple of years if you could get anthony richardson to the 63 completion yeah percentage in the nfl that'd be really good yeah that would be that would be incredible yeah. that'd be
0: great coaching package that with his skill set oh yeah.
3: boy but you have to believe in <laughs> your development of the guy you know d- but we've also seen quarterbacks come out like Sam Darnold, one of his flaws coming out was pocket presence. And that never was corrected. I don't know if you can correct that. Pocket presence is a hard thing mm-hmm. to work on at the NFL level. And Sam Darnold, one of the reasons why he, he has struggled to find a foothold in the NFL is because he hasn't had very good pocket presence. He hasn't been able to see the field very well. We, you know, Remember that game against the Patriots where he said he was seeing ghosts Uh, You never want to hear that from your quarterback. Okay. Um, There are just certain traits that quarterbacks have that are both unfixable and you can't work around them. You can't Mm -hmm. find ways around them. And to me, that's where the Colts football operations staff, our, our great scouting department has to be able to identify what are those traits that these quarterbacks have that are, are strong. And then what are the ones that, they have that you can't really, you can't really work around. Like you could probably work around Bryce Young's size. That is his, pro- that is his biggest flaw. You could probably work around that, you know. But are there certain flaws that these guys have that you can't work around? And the the question about Anthony Richardson is: is accuracy that flaw? Can you work around it, or is it unfixable? And that's going to be a, a big question that every team is or going to have to answer. To
0: what degree is it fixable? Right. To what know?
3: degree, you know, is it fixable? Fixable to the point where, okay, he'll be a, you know, high fifties completion percentage. And can guy. you live with that? Can right. you win with that? Right.
0: All right.
2: What if I told you?
0: Number two. What if I told you, Lara, the Colts will not. They will not. They do not draft a quarterback with the fourth overall pick. Gut reaction
2: holy my, <laughs> <laughs> to steal a line what if I told you? <laughs> from my colleague Matt Taylor. <laughs> holy my. Yes. I do think that, yeah, I, I think that it would catch a lot of people off guard. However, I think that would mean that they use that very high second-round pick to get a quarterback that you plan on developing and give him somewhat of a mm-hmm. redshirt year and you have a long-term plan in place for... For a guy who you don't want to necessarily spend the capital of being that high in the draft on, but you do see promise and you see a lot of things that, you know, give you the indication of the potential he could have with time. But when you take a guy at number four, you expect that guy to kind of walk in and be an impact player rookie year, right? We, you think about guys who the Colts have taken in the top 10 picks. They've guys who, they're guys who have walked in the door and started. You don't feel like maybe there's a guy who has the ability to do that. You have Baker Mayfield here. You give a guy this next year to develop, and then you see where he is a year from now after learning the system, getting up to speed. Maybe he starts some games later in the season for you, and then you kind of plan on 2024 as being the real opportunity for him to be the primary quarterback for you.
3: Yeah, it was like we were just talking about, Lara, with the, the Colts draft board, where if you stay- jacket to your top four guys and three of those four guys are gone, you're probably gonna take the fourth guy. And that might not be a quarterback. That's if the Colts come out of this draft, by the way, not taking a quarterback in the top five, but they get like the you know, the next great defensive player in Colts history, in ten years, no one should be mad about that. Like if you got a great player fourth overall Versus reaching for a quarterback, fourth, who you don't really like, that guy could set you back longer as a franchise mm-hmm. if you get it wrong and you reach for someone who is lower down on your board. The thing that would surprise me in this scenario would be if the Colts didn't try to trade out of that pick. Like, if, they, if they're if they sitting at four and they're not going to take a quarterback, you got to figure there. That probably means a couple of quarterbacks have gone ahead of the Colts. And maybe there's a run on quarterbacks right. at this point, And the Colts say, yeah, you know, maybe we'll see three if we can, quarterbacks. Right. Top we'll, three. See someone, we'll see if someone likes that, the fourth guy or the third guy who maybe we don't like as much. And we try to trade out of it and accumulate a little more draft capital later to continue to build out the roster. And maybe you have to use that draft capital to go back into the first round, late in the first round, to still go get that, you know, more developmental quarterback he uh, still might have to do that. We've seen teams do that. You know, the 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 Vikings traded back to 32 to get Teddy Bridgewater. The Ravens traded back into the first round to 32 to get Lamar Jackson. Right. That's something the teams have done in the past. Uh, maybe that's something the way, you know, some way the Colts have to go in this draft too. We'll see.
0: Yeah, one of these four teams is not going to draft a quarterback. I, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, yeah. Yes, teams like I said get desperate to find their quarterback of the future and they sort of talk themselves into drafting players who are flawed prospects. And again, like I said, for every great one there's two or three busts. But Chris Ballard has shown that he is he's determined to not make that mistake. But at the same time, he's never the Colts have never picked this high before under Chris's guidance. And they need a quarterback, so we really don't know how this is going to go down. Again, I think this all kind of depends on what the Texans do at two, right? If the Texans don't take a quarterback for the Colts, it then becomes, do we trade up to three and get the guy we love, or do we sit at four? And if they sit at four, that would tell us as fans that they have similar evaluations on two players, and they would be comfortable taking either guy at four if indeed they pull a trigger on a quarterback fascinating stuff because there's all these things that we can go off in terms of the history and the things that Chris Ballard has said but at the same time he's never been in this position before to draft a quarterback in the top 5 that, that's
3: it's a clear need that's the gaping yeah, need, need on their need, yeah. on their
0: roster right now yeah
3: right it's and it's Jim Irsay talked about this at the owners meetings but the benefits of having a quarterback on a rookie contract for the way you can build your roster is significant the Colts haven't had that since the first couple of years of Andrew Luck's career mm-hmm. because then they made him the highest paid player in NFL history and have been cycling through veteran quarterbacks
0: and they were going 11 and five every year right right then
3: but you know since since luck got that extension it's been you know you're paying your quarterback a pretty significant chunk of the cap every single year this is an opportunity to kind of reset that and the advantages to building a roster are pretty significant at that point.
0: What if I told you? What if I told you number three? Let's go right here, right now, in-house. Lara, what if I told you the Colts' defense will be drastically better next season than they were last season in 2022? Gut reaction.
2: Believable. Absolutely. Because you've retained a lot of guys who are impactful players. I mean, the – Kind of biggest notable departures being Stefan Gilmore, Bobby Okereke from the defensive side of the ball. You've got the, well, and Yannick Ngakwe as well. We should add that in. But, you know, you have impactful guys up front who are growing within this system. We know how much this defense kind of struggled to just learn the playbook and really embrace Gus's scheme, I think that they will be and this is something that I really wanted to, you know, actually it was something that we talked with Zaire Franklin about last week, JJ. When we were sitting in the media room. I asked him about the bar that is set from this defense, especially being that you have a second year in the system for all that has changed within this organization, mm-hmm. new head coach, entirely new offensive staff, with a few you know, with despite, you know, Reggie Wayne and Brian Bratton being a few carryovers from last year. But For the majority, the entire offense is new. You have a new head coach. But defense has all of that continuity. So I asked him about that expectation. And he said that expectation does not change. They do want to be better at taking the ball away this year. And you also, let's also think about you should have Shaq Leonard for more than two football games this year.
0: More than 74 snaps. Yes, yeah. yes.
2: You should have him for more time than that. Two games, Hopefully. right? Am I, am I correct on that?
0: Two? Two, uh, I think he uh, appeared three. in three games, okay. three games, but it was okay. 74 total snaps.
2: Okay, so right there, that one addition it should make you better. And then also thinking about just being able, able to build upon for this team, You know, having that knowledge, having the comfort within the system, and just knowing also – where they fell short last year is going to motivate this group a lot.
3: Yeah, the to me that this comes from more turnovers, and turnovers can come from continuity, when you have guys who you know, like Zaire was talking about last week, how you know you can you can play just that that half second faster when you you know the scheme, you know that everyone around you knows the scheme, and then oh by the way, add in the best turnover creating off ball linebacker in the NFL maybe in NFL history, back into the lineup, mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, that's going to be pretty good, I think. And, you know, the the defense fell off last year in the latter half of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us are, you know, probably holding that against them. Uh, just the way that the season ended was challenging for the defense. Um, you know, I was almost surprised to see that, like, hey, wait a minute, the, the Colts allowed – 25.1 points per game. That was tied for third worst in the mm-hmm. NFL last year. And I was kind of like, really? Yeah. It didn't It didn't feel like that. And it
0: went up to 30 points per game in the last eight games right. of the season when it had all that chaos and right. Frank Reich and got, got. Uh, you know, Jeff Saturday right. came in. So, yeah, the, you're exactly the right. Defense,
3: the defense was pretty good the first half of the season, and mm-hmm. then things got chaotic and, you know, the, it started to fall off. And that doesn't mean that the defense doesn't bear some responsibility here, certainly, but – I kind of feel like they were a a middle of the NFL defense last year, and this year they could be a top 10 defense if things go well. Yeah,
0: all the basics have been installed. The initial learning process is over, so now is where you see guys in year two play faster, more freely within the system, focusing on the details, not thinking so much, just going out there making plays. I like it. What if I told you? What if I told you? What if I told you you I'm hungry right now? I'm ready for for lunch coming up in just a bit. Lair Overton's over there saying, I need more coffee. Always. you gotta li- You got to liven up here. I know. you got a big guest coming up right oh, now. Oh,
2: I know. Let's go to I the know. phone
0: lines, all right? Let's go to the phone lines. Welcome in our special guest to the podcast today. It's always an absolute pleasure to talk to this guy. We teased him at the top uh, because of what he still means to the Colts and the city of Indianapolis and the good that he's still doing for an unbelievable cause. Joining us now, former Colts head coach, Chuck Pagano. Coach, how are you doing today? Thanks so much for the time.
1: Uh, doing great. Thanks for having me. It's always great being with you guys.
0: Indeed. So this Friday, the Colts are hosting the 11th annual Chuck Strong Tailgate Gala back in town to raise awareness and funds for cancer research at the Indiana University Simon Cancer Center. And to date, Coach, you guys have raised more than $12 million for cancer research throughout corporate sponsorships. Live and silent auctions, generous contributions from you and your family, uh, the Jim Ursay family, and event guests. How much does this event still mean to you? And, and what does it mean to the Colts support this and they put it on at the team facility every year?
1: It, it means the world uh, to myself and, and my family. Uh, so grateful and thankful that, I mean, to think we're 11 years into this deal. Um, I was at the right place at the right time, obviously, uh, and got the, the best care that anyone could get at that time. And to, again, think we're this is Chuck Strong 11.0, the generosity uh, and support from from Jim Irsay and his family, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, you don't see something like this very often. Uh, you know the way things that you know went down and how things transpired, but. Uh, it's, it's just amazing, and the, to the donors and the sponsors and everybody involved, everybody at IU, uh, Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center, it's, it's just incredible. And, you know, Matt, we said if we get through this, we get on the other side of this thing, and fortunately, you know, we did, and cancer-free now over 10 years, uh, that we were going to pay it forward. And we were going to give back as long as we were living and breathing, and, and everybody wanted to still do this thing. Uh, that that we were going to do it. So many people reached out to me that I didn't know. Um, I was barely in Indy six months, seven months, whatever it was. Right. And the support and encouragement that we got at that time. Now it's an opportunity, uh, you know, for us. Like I said, to keep paying this thing forward and, and help uh, and help others get through their circumstances.
2: Chuck, in addition to all the money that has been raised to fund the research and the programming, Chuck Strong as a mantra and just what you have meant to the community has really helped break some barriers in terms of just having conversations. How impacted have you been by when you are at, whether it's these functions or you're out and about and you're at games or whatever it might be, where people stop you and they are able to share their stories or able to share what they went through in their experiences or maybe how you helped them confront their battles even more so and be stronger through their own journeys because of how you stood up and how vocal you were and how forward facing you were throughout your journey and how much you have campaigned for all this research
1: since? Yeah, great question, Lara. It's it's amazing. Again, just going back to going through my, uh, my cancer journey, again, all those people that reached out to me and supported me, told me of their, uh, their stories, what they went through. Everyone from a, you know, five-, six-year-old young boy uh, reaching out to me to, to whoever, uh, these are the things that you can expect, Coach. These are going to be some of the side effects from chemo. Uh, you can do this. You got this. Uh, stay strong. Keep the faith. All that stuff, Right. And now it's you know, it seems like it's it's daily where we have opportunities to do the same thing and help others and give other people hope. Because I mean, these stories uh, of you know overcoming uh, adversity and these op- obstacles and winning these battles, again, you know, we're still having to say goodbye you know mm-hmm. to loved ones way too soon. but it just seems like there's there's a lot more you know success stories than than the others. Uh, It just, it's, it's incredible. And to be sitting in the the position, it's so unique, uh, especially to that community, that city, the people of Indiana and Indianapolis. Uh, It's just, it's just really, really special to be able to, uh, you know, to help and and encourage others and and share, you know, the things that we've been through uh, with others and, and to see them come out the other side of this thing, you know, healthy and, and cancer free.
2: It's always such a star-studded lineup this year. No exception. Ray Lewis is going to be one to join you this year. And then someone who, just as you mentioned, has been through this, has experienced it first hand, Washington Commanders head coach Ron Rivera. How excited are you to have this group together? And how meaningful is it for you to see the number of guys from across this NFL community who are so eager to step up, to come in and support this organization, support this cause?
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I've always talked about the relationships. You know, and being, being out of football right now, Lara, I mean, that's what you miss is, the, is mm-hmm. the guys, the camaraderie, the relationships, the locker room, the competition. But it's amazing. And and Ron, uh, Ray, Reggie, everybody that's come back, you know, year after year and then to be able to have a guy. You know, last year was so cool, you know, with <laughs> B.A. coming in yep. and being on stage with B.A. and sharing Sharon. Most people kind of knew most of that story. You know, we did our little deal with you before that, that yeah. event, you know, last year. And then, you know, to be able to give, you know, people behind the curtain, you know, uh, you know, seen if you will, of, of actually what we went through. And then, uh, you know, knowing Ron for all these years from afar, and watching his coaching career and him and his wife, Stephanie, uh, given of their time. Uh, to come up and and support the Chuck Strong you know gala and event and share his his cancer journey, and then a guy like like Ray you know uh, we know how busy you know mm-hmm. these people are and and how busy he is and and Reggie and, and all the guys and coming in and 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 sharing it just means it means the world uh, again to to me and my family and you know, selfless individuals uh, I mean just as good of people as as there are. Uh, to be able to come and, and and do these things and and give back and uh, yeah it's 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 pretty special and again it just goes back to, it's all about the relationships
3: chuck kind of along those lines what does it mean to you that you get to host this event in indianapolis at the Colts facility every year with the support of the Colts you know starting with mr Ursay and and his family and just to be able to to continue to hold this event in in this place in such a special place
1: yeah again it's it's kind of surreal to be honest with you. Cause you know, there's a shelf life for all these jobs. Right. And I was fortunate, uh, you know, to get six years, six great years there in, in India. And, and sometimes they, they, they all don't end the way you want them to end. And uh, there's a, there's a few magical endings to a lot of these things. And, uh but it's just, it's just incredible. And it just kind of blows you away to think that, you know, we're, we're still doing this. Um, Jim's still supporting this thing, the Colts, you know, supporting this event, having it at the Colts facility, <laughs> being back there, being back in Indianapolis and, and hanging out with those people. It's like it's like coming back a year ago and, you know, pounding the anvil. I mean, mm-hmm. who would have thunk? I mean, who <laughs> – I don't – you know, it's just because of the circumstances, you know, that we all went through back in, in 2012 – and then again, the, the the kindness and goodness of of the people there in that organization, starting at the top with Jim, that that we're st- we're still doing this, and and it's 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 impacting so many people, and and helping so many people, and all the funds that are raised, as we all know, every penny goes to to cancer research there at at IU, uh, you know Simon Comprehensive Cancer Center, and it's just. It's wild. It's crazy. Tina and I love coming back for this deal. We're grateful um, that we're still doing this. And hopefully, you know this one will be this one will be awesome. and And who knows? Maybe we get another decade you know of dominance in in this area.
3: Chuck, this isn't a question. It's more of a, a statement of gratitude. But as we've talked about, you know people you've impacted through your journey, um, one of those was a mentor to me, John Moon Mullen, who I worked with very closely when I covered the Chicago bears, when you were the defensive coordinator up there right. and Moon was, you know, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer in December, 2019. And he talked to me a lot about the conversations you two had and, and how you encouraged him to have a certain mindset in fighting his battle. And Moon lived two and a half years with stage four pancreatic cancer before he passed away last year. And I don't know if Moon makes it as long as he did without some of those conversations you had early on with him. So it's more of a, a statement of gratitude and a thank you, um, you know, just having seen the direct impact you can have on a person.
1: Yeah, that was, um, that was a special time, you know, for, for me, um, you know, when, when Moon was diagnosed and then, you know, obviously getting to, getting to know him, you know, there when I was you know early on at, at on at the Bears, but, I mean, that's, again, that, that's what it's all about, and the way that Moon, because we all know, like, stage four pancreatic cancer diagnosis, I mean, I don't know if you can count on one hand any, you know, that's, we all know what that diagnosis is and what that means, and for the way that Moon battled with such, you know, strength and perseverance and, and dig, dignity, it, it was it was unbelievable, and and that, gave, that gives, you know, so many other people uh, so much hope um, to see that, 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 you know, they could come out on the other side of it. But I was grateful for that, that relationship uh, with Moon. What a stud. What an all-star. <laughs> what an amazing man. And what he did in his career and his lifetime. Uh, his legacy will obviously live on forever um uh what he what he accomplished and what he did mm-hmm. but again to watch watch him persevere and and fight the the way that he did and his attitude i mean just incredible what an incredible human being and and i know he's he's dearly missed and, and those kind of things but the way that he did it i know it's helping others
0: you know coach kind of going along with with jj this is more of a statement but you know your first year with the Colts was, was my first year, 2012. And I just I can't forget that speech that you gave in the locker room late in the season after a home win. You know, that speech about talking about your circumstances and, and not letting uh, circumstances define you, no matter what it is that you do. You talked about beating cancer so that you can be there with your family, to be a great husband, uh, walk down the aisle of your daughter's weddings. And I know you've already been able to do a lot of those things. And you know, that that speech still gives me chills because of your dedication to this. A lot of people are, you know, they're being able to live those moments and, and have those same moments that you wanted to share with your loved ones because of the work that you're doing. I mean, this has just got to be so incredibly satisfying, being able to share in those moments and to hear those stories from other people.
1: Yeah, it's um, again, it, it is amazing. I sure. That a lot at that moment, mm-hmm. again, seems surreal to me to, number one, get out of the hospital after a month in there basically almost a month and then be at home and then have the ability to be able to come to a game and and wasn't supposed to be around the team. Right. But they snuck, <laughs> snuck me down after after that great win and uh, and, and got to share that, that moment uh, with the coaches and the players after being away for, for some time. Uh, what I usually share with people is you know live in vision and and not circumstance and it's a it is a mindset and you get that vision Mm -hmm. in your mind and and uh and it's 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 attitude it's it's all that stuff but you can you can overcome a lot with with just you know having having that vision and and that mindset um I got one more daughter to walk down the Mm -hmm. aisle uh, like you said, I got to experience, you know, one of them, Tori got married in 18 and yep. and got to do that one. And and now, you know, every, every day is a blessing. We know life's hard. As soon as we figure that out, I used to tell the players all the time, hey, life's hard. As soon as you, you know, figure that out, it starts getting a lot easier, just <laughs> how it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. And we're going to
1: deal with stuff. We're going to deal with circumstance. We're going to deal with adversity. Um, but you're not alone nfa right we always talk about nobody fights alone so we get the opportunity to continue to to do this thing and and help encourage others who Mm -hmm. are going to battle so very very blessed and grateful and thankful for that
0: indeed coach i'm sure you can uh picture it in your mind we're in that same radio studio right now where you did those countless interviews in your six years as a head coach of the Colts. so just want to say thanks for being so great to work with back then and thanks for your time today Best of luck with the gala coming up on Friday and uh, continued success with all that you do and all the best to you and your family as always.
1: Thank you so much. Very, very fond memories. Uh, Grateful for all you guys and what you did for me during that time. So appreciate you having me on. Take care.
0: That's Chuck Pagano, Chuck Strong, coming up this Friday, the 11th annual event here at the Indiana Farm Bureau Football Center. For more details on that, again, be sure to visit Colts.com fantastic stuff as always. I mean Chuck was so easy to work with, Larry. I mean he's he's great on the airwaves, but mm-hmm. He was better off the air, to be honest with you. I wish some of those off-the-air conversations before, you know, we uh, went live or hit the record button could have made it because he was just so candid and and down to earth.
2: Well, and I got to work with him. I was freelancing over here and working at Fox 59, so I didn't get to work with him as intimately as you did, but have had so many just incredible opportunities Mm -hmm. to be here in the building with him. And one of them last year is, to me, uh, the most memorable was sitting with Chuck and with Bruce Arians when we were talking about the 10th anniversary of the Chuck Strong game the come back over the Packers. And there was so much one we had to leave on the cutting room floor just for, for time's sake. But then also before they got mic'd up and afterward and just walking around the building and hanging out with them and going over to like kind of the cocktail party and the reception to see people and just how they flock to each of those guys and how much they mean the impact that they've made on this community on this team yep. it is just so much fun and you love that despite the fact that they've all moved on and had great success um even after their Colts careers they're such a big part of this franchise still it's so much of of the part of the family that they are
0: yeah for sure so again Friday night the big night the Chuck Strong We're going gala over gala, (laughs) but uh, it should be a fantastic time nonetheless. Again, Colts.com for all the details. It's always going to be great to see Chuck back in town. All right, let's close out. Let's get weird on the random thought of the week. I'm bringing back the intro. Random Random thought of (laughs) the week.
2: And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I
1: don't know, Margo. You
2: guys going out of town? Do you know if it's cold there? Do these vans get good gas mileage? Shut up! Shut up! Shut
0: up! Shut up! Shut up! All right, I am passing the torch or the baton over to Lara this week.
2: Okay, this has no, like, timeliness whatsoever. <laughs> it's just something that I love to toss out to people as a conversation starter. So feel free to steal this for your next cocktail party or, you know, group gathering, whatever How much does whatever a polar bear might be? Way. Enough <laughs> to break the ice. How are you doing? Oh, my God. Okay. When... Edger and James was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He selected Colts owner Jim Irsay to introduce him. Yes. Peyton Manning had his dad introduce him, right? That's always a big deal. If you were to be inducted into a respective Hall of Fame, whatever it might Whoa. be, who would you select to introduce you?
0: As your presenter?
2: Yes. Who would be the one to present you?
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: I can start since I've had time for this. So... My college coach, Judy Wilson, she was my track and cross country coach at Indiana. I always call her. She is my Hall of Fame human. That's what I call her all the time. And I joke that she is the person in my life who has impacted me most, who is not genetically or legally bound to me. Okay, I like that. So I like that a lot. So she <laughs> that is. They le- don't. They
0: don't have to support you. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. So I. She just was the one who gave me a chance. She saw. Um, promise in me when I was just like this very wide-eyed, overwhelmed kid that was not nearly probably, you know, talented enough or quite fast enough to be worthy of as much attention as she gave me as a high school junior and senior to recruit me to go to Indiana. And going to Indiana, running track, competing in cross-country, the teammates that she surrounded me with, the amount of conviction that she had in me, it absolutely instilled in me what it would take to go on and create the trajectory of the rest of my life and I am forever indebted to her and she also tells hysterical stories. So I think you got to think about that as well. She's one of the funniest. <laughs> absolutely. She's so, so funny. So undoubtedly she'd be entertaining as well. But I feel like that I just owe her so much because I would not be where I am today in any facet without Love Judy that. Wilson. Love that.
3: To me, the the funniest one would just be if I had... My wife Betsy do it because she would just probably roast me. Like it would be <laughs> like be very, awesome. very heartfelt, but also, sh- it would be. I think it would be fun. There's for There's nothing
2: better than a
0: roast.
3: Yeah, it uh, it would be like you know, like a lot of heartfelt things, but also like, remember the time this happened?
2: Like our wedding speeches kind of became roast. Have you guys ever uh, roasted uh, somebody? somebody?
0: No, been, no, been, oh my no. god, no. it's the most fun I've ever had in my entire life. Who roasted. did you roast? I roasted JMV. Yeah. Okay. You talk about fishing in a barrel right there. But it was awesome. It's that it, it kind of like blends into stand-up comedy which I've done twice. It's the most exhilarating fun high experience that you can get. Like in you talk about endorphins, like when you go up there and you like you're trying to make people laugh but they they want to laugh but you have to earn it, right? You have to earn that respect of making somebody laugh and when you go out there and you actually make someone laugh when that's your intention, no better high in the world. It's pretty awesome. So
3: who's your who's your person?
0: Well, I'm never getting in a Hall of Fame, (laughs) I can tell you that, so I don't have to worry about this. They're all
2: random thoughts. I mean, like, they're all absurd. Probably either
0: my dad, because of what he's just, again, the support, like, echoing everything that you said
2: and, and to that I do have to say my mom is very deserving of that but I feel like I'd want my mom next to me and I, she listens to this podcast so I am like I have to caveat like jump in here <laughs> Slide so, shout out in. to Sandy she Sandy is, she is absolutely the greatest woman I have ever known no doubt but I would want her next to me like I think you know I need her side by side because that's where she always sure. is like in lockstep with me so I feel like uh well, she's, Jude she's, could she's go going in there. with you yeah yeah she's exactly going in. She's that's in so the same true. class yes and, and no doubt Judy would would pay proper respects it and honor my mom as well so okay so either Love your dad it. or either my dad or probably
0: the again in the echoing you the the person that most supported you that has had your back when they're not related to you is, is probably coach leonard down Mike at, l my my college head football coach uh just Go the most genuine authentic unbelievable, unbelievable person that unbelievable, i know that indeed. i still keep in touch with regularly today Probably a couple times a month, if not more, depending on what's going on. Um, but yeah, you talk about just—he always said that where you go to college is not the most important decision that you make in your life, but it's in the top five.
2: Mm-hmm. And I would agree with that.
0: Going and and being part of his program and playing for him and learning from him and going to that school was one of the best decisions I ever made because of what it allowed me to do. And take advantage of and grow as a person.
2: I didn't even, obviously, play for Mike Leonard, but I know Mike, having covered him and covered his teams and have gotten to know him and become friends with him through you as Mm -hmm. well. And I can say I'm a better human being just because I know Mike Leonard. Dude, totally. That's the type of person who he is. Absolutely. Shout out Coach L.
0: Yeah. So get that speech ready, Coach L, because you're going to hypothetically never need it. It would be a good one. You're never going to need it, I can tell you that. Hey, closing out, Inside the Draft is back this week. We've got a chat with Ian Cummings. That's up right now. He's from Pro Football Network as we continue to talk about the draft with all the insiders across the nation. Also this week, J.J., that special episode of uh, the Whip Around podcast. We did that a little bit later last week. Now it's back. Is that your whip sound? That's my whip around. We talk about the top quarterbacks in the draft with folks that that covered them so closely in college. Also this week, Inside Football with Rick Venturi is back. A special draft uh, episode uh, explaining what he thinks of all the top quarterbacks in this draft ahead of round number one, so we're doing that a little bit later. And then the last word on Friday, special guest Not Jeffrey Gorman, but Chris Ballard following his pre-draft press conference. So, stay tuned for that on Friday. We'll hear from the GM of the Colts uh, about uh, five, six days away from the draft and his thoughts on what's going on and setting the draft board and all of that. But to close out, Lara, with the next pick. It's coming out, right? Coming up on Thursday. Look for it later on this week. All right, JJ, what are you writing about uh, this week going into uh, the weekend before the draft? So,
3: just... You know, still going through mock drafts and stuff. Chris Ballard talks to the media on Friday yep. at noon, so I'll we'll have some stuff from him. I'm sure he will reveal to us what the Colts draft plans are, exactly what they're going to do, who they like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, who they don't like. Right. Uh, it'll be a very informative press conference. Uh, I mean, you guys know what it's going to sound like. Yeah. But I'll still have something off of that, and then next week we're into the draft. So yep finally we'll make it
0: yep one more week to go april 27th round number one we'll have all the coverage for you colts.com the colts audio network and as always thanks for listening our thanks again to chuck pagano who joined us a little bit earlier in this podcast as well for lara overton j.j stankovitz we'll do it again next tuesday on another episode of the official colts podcast i'm matt taylor we'll talk to you next week so long